Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Men of Words podcast. My name is Michael Mumford, Michael James Mumford, in fact, and I'm joined by Liam Michael Mumford Murphy. How you going? <laughs> Liam Michael James Mumford Patrick Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm good, mate. I'm I'm feeling very. We had we just had a really nice conversation, and I'm I'm feeling very that we did uplifted and and inspired at the moment mate so yeah I'm, I'm feeling good how are you doing good exactly the same but you know i always feel so much better after these chats and today's was no exception awesome awesome conversation a shame to be doing it on zoom but you're welcome to the premiers of the various states that we and our guests are from us doing the right thing staying in lockdown murph who do we chat to uh today we were joined by he's a, a captain of the australian army Goes by the name of Hugo Tuvi, and this man, Muff, is an absolute inspirational human being. He mm-hmm. diagnosed with testicular cancer in 2013 as a 21-year-old, um, went through an absolute ordeal with that in terms of surgery, removal of the testicle, chemotherapy, uh, lymph nodes, you name it, he, he had it. Uh, mate, he's, he's been through a hell of a lot, but now he's on the other side and he's He's doing some pretty incredible work in terms of raising awareness and encouraging young people and, and males as well to to get regular health checks and, um, and and really pushing the importance of that. Absolute cracking conversation today, Wasn't it mate. just? He is also the host of a couple of podcasts, which I'm sure keep him very, very busy as well. 25 Stay Alive is one of them, and then Behind the Uniform is another one. Mental health and well-being focused and just awesome conversations, interviewing some incredible people as well. And him by sharing his own story, I think, is, uh, is inspiration enough. And yeah, but then obviously being able to elicit and get, you know, elicit some of the, you know, the amazing stories that he gets from his guests too. It's, um, yeah, it's a really, really cool podcast. We totally would want to point people in that direction. We think it's an awesome one to go and have a listen to. He's done some great job. I think his ability to be able to tell his story really comes through in the chat today. You know, he's so open, so forthright with everything. And yeah, truly, truly, I know we work gets thrown around a bit and I'm sure he doesn't like us saying it that much, but it was a pretty inspirational chat, let's be honest. Muff, it was a, it was a beautiful conversation and, and definitely one that I know a lot of people will, will sit back and might be hard to listen to with, with some of the topics that we we touched on, but it's it's a rewarding conversation and, and hopefully one that will... Yeah, we'll, we'll resonate with a, with a few people. That being said, Mr. Murphy. Let's get into it, Mickey boy. Let's do it. Everybody, please enjoy our conversation with Captain Hugo Tooby. This is the Men of Words podcast where little conversations can make big differences. I, I listened just recently to um, the conversation that you had with Gus Warland, um, which I think, was that last year now or was that earlier this year? Uh, last year. It would have been around uh, late last year, I think, November last year. Yeah, pretty, um, pretty epic conversation, I must say, a pretty enjoyable listen. And I can only imagine what an awesome sort of experience for you, I think, it was pretty, uh, it has to be quite a, a humbling sort of conversation to have, especially for the amount of praise that he sort of, you know, pointed in your direction. That must have been, yeah, just a, a bit of a wild one, really cool. Yeah, no, look, Gus is, um, Gus is awesome. I 
knew of him and uh, know the amazing work he's done with Gotcha for Life, but um, actually connecting with him and being able to call him a, a mate um, and a friend. And, um, you know, we talk pretty regularly now and he's just, just one of those guys that every time you talk to him, you feel better after talking to him. So, um, yeah, I was very humbled with some of the stuff he had to say. And I was also grateful that he, um, you know, gave, gave some time to chat to chat to me and talk about what he's been up to. hundred percent. I think his attitude towards like simplifying in a way, I guess, you know, the conversations and, and, uh, and trying to, you know, take a bit of the shine off the topic as a whole, not in by matter of importance, but by matter of, you know, defeating the stigma and, and making it just an easier conversation to have amongst mates, especially amongst blokes as well. You know, like I was super interested in him, you know, talking about his time at Triple M, obviously talking about how it's such a blokey radio station and things like that. And yeah, just, yeah, really, really cool. So shout out for that. It's, um, yeah, I think you guys are doing awesome things with the pod as well. It's really cool. No, thanks, mate. I'm sure um, sure Gus would love the work you're doing. So if you'd ever want to, uh, ever want him, you know, him on the podcast or something, I'm sure he would be more than happy to because um, he always loves what you guys are up to, like as far as, people out there spreading the good messages, doing the good work. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think you'll probably be a good guest on your podcast too, gents. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of the podcast, jumping straight in, I think, you know, Santa Murph, just before we jumped on a second ago, I'm really excited because, you know, this is you, Hugo, uh, the first person that we're talking to that has a podcast and that is a podcast host and something I hadn't really thought about up until today, but it's like, I could nearly just have the whole conversation around that because this has just been such a, you know, a mind blowing experience for Liam and I, and I can only imagine exactly in the same way with, you know, um, with uh, 25 uh, Stay Alive and with um, Behind the Uniform as well. Can only imagine that that, you know, has been such an awesome experience for you too. Mate, absolutely. And it's like what you guys are doing. I think it, like, I knew nothing about podcasting at all, um, but what what a cool platform, right? Like it's it's just such a good way to hear people's stories, to chat to people. Um, and I think one of the best bit of advice that I got, and I always, always take it on board with me, is it doesn't matter if you get 100 people listening to an episode, 1,000, 10,000, a million, um, picture it like you're doing a live show and you've got that those people in the audience would you be happy with 100 people in the audience listening to what you have to say mm. absolutely I'd be stoked with bloody 50 people um, so then whenever I heard that whenever I do an episode of a podcast and you think like I'm putting so much effort into it are people actually listening to it is it worthwhile and you think actually that number is still pretty good like you've got that amount of people listening to me talk or listening to the guest um, it's pretty impressive. So that, that's always kept me going forward, thinking that it's still worthwhile. And the old cliche, you never know who you're going to help, right? That, that The perspective, yeah, just then resonates perfectly. I think Muff and I actually, what, Monday or two, I can't remember, we went for a little walk in our 5K allocated time exercise bubble. Um, we got 10Ks. We're lucky. Oh, mate. you got, yeah. Uh, enjoy <laughs> well, them. I yeah. hope you're using all 10 of them. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we, we actually spoke about about that as well um, in terms of, you know, we were trying to pick themes and, and topics and, you know, see like you know, what kind of guests were getting the better listens and that, you know, really trying to dive in and understand the the audience. But at the end of the day, we sort of were like, you know what, our, our whole goal at the start of this was if we can inspire one person to get up and, and seek help. Um, whether it be with their best mate or their partner or their mum and dad or 
or go and speak to a professional, then that's our goal. That's our aim there. Then tick. We're, that's what we're doing it for. So absolutely, no, love love it. I love love what you're doing. Love the uh, love the podcast. And um, as I said with Gus, when he loves seeing it, because the more people that are in this space, it can never, in my opinion, yes, there it can seem like it's crowded but i think that's a good thing i think the more people doing this stuff the more people have a, a platform to to hopefully listen to the important conversations so um yeah keep it up i love it thank you very much bit of loving straight away that's that's, that's yeah that's it oh that's good it. good way just to a, start <laughs> just a couple of podcasters patting each other on the back i'm all for it <laughs> last thing to touch on that because um yeah again like we said just you know super curious picking the brain of someone who you know spends a lot of time on what would typically be our side of the microphone was there ever was there ever any sort of like apprehension or any you know nervousness or any sort of feelings like that around sharing you know what arguably for most people are pretty private and you know personal experiences and obviously you know with your experience and and with the amazing work you're doing you've obviously made it uh, you know, a big part of, you know, of, of making your story public for the benefit of, of the people around you. But was that ever like an apprehension or anything at the beginning of this whole process? Yeah, I think so. Like anytime you make your life public, um, you've got to be prepared for the, it's public. Not that you have to be a, a celebrity or a sports star or an athlete for things to be public. You know, mm. you, you still need to be mindful about what you say, um, you know, I found that talking about myself was pretty easy, but then you take into consideration that, you know, you might be talking about your old man or your partner or things like that. And then your guests are the same. You've got to be mindful about not asking them a, a sensitive question that you're, you're breaching too far into their private life. So it was a bit of a balancing act, but ultimately you hit the nail on the head, mate. It's um, I've found it pretty therapeutic in a way over my sort of own healing, especially for my mental health um, in particular, sort of sharing my story um, and talking about not only what I've been through helping me, but then as a result, helping others. Um, I think that's been the most rewarding part mm. about what I've done with my, you know, speaking gigs or podcasting or whatever is, um, is actually helping people. Mm. I think that's pretty powerful at the end of the day to, to use that. Um, and ultimately it's, being a bit vulnerable in certain conversations um, makes it all, all worthwhile when you think that there is someone at the other end that is going to benefit from it. A hundred percent. I think the one thing for, I guess, speaking on behalf of myself, maybe Michael as well, for when, when we started having these conversations, the most important thing for, for us was to be able to know that we've, we've told the truth of ourselves um, and we've spoken about our experiences as well. Um, and so providing that vulnerability ourselves as I guess allows guests and, and listeners to, to have the same sort of feeling it, or at least try and build up their vulnerability to be able to have the same or share the same stories um, from their perspectives. The amount of times you've told your story, I'm guessing it's monstrous. You, like you said, you've done a lot of speaking events. You've spoken to a lot of people on podcasts and different platforms. Have you, have you found along the way that, you remember things later on or like, you know, has your story changed a little bit because you've, you've gone over it that many times that you start remembering other little bits and pieces and, you know, feelings of, on a certain day when you were possibly, you know, like in hospital and think, you know, mm. does that, does it change along the way or you? Yeah, I think it, I think it does, mate. I, I think there's certain times um, 
might have certain triggers as well. Uh, and that might be stemmed from, from sometimes like a question. Someone might ask a question that may, I may have not either had that question or it may have not been put to me like that. And then it kind of triggers a couple other emotions or thoughts that I probably haven't um, necessarily put too much into. Um, but I think it's, yeah, any time, you know, like my story branches over sort of eight years and there's so much thrown into that. I think in a way, the more I do it, sometimes I can lose a bit of the significance of part of the story um, in particular, like the first part of the journey of, of going through say my testicular cancer days. Um, I'd probably lose a bit of the significance of that at such a vulnerable young age um, purely because the most recent stuff has probably been more traumatic for me that that kind of is my main focus and what I live on a day-to-day basis mm. now that I kind of almost in a weird way, forget about all those other um, years I went through with, with that other cancer. Um, so that's probably the only one I think that even my presentations sometimes I just focus more on the, the recent stuff. And that's just, I don't know, maybe just because it's the most recent, it's the most fresh in my memory and probably because it is the more traumatic out of the experience in my mind. But um there's always little things that will pop up throughout though. Absolutely. I, I mean, your, your journey, you said it started with the testicular cancer and it was something that you were so, I guess like non nonchalant about as having a little lump on your, on your testicle. And, you know, you, you you've been, I guess, quoted as saying that you sort of left it for even possibly up to 12 months before you even thought to, to have a chat with your old man and, and to go and get looked at. Um, I'd be really interested if, if we, can go back to that day one because this is a it's such an important thing as a male to to know your body and to you know as young men we probably brush past it a lot more than we should um so i'd love to, i'd love to yeah if, if you're okay with that just jump back into the the times around that that discovery and and then the diagnosis times as well oh for sure to be honest, i look back at that and almost with a sense of frustration because knowing what i know now <laughs> And what I advocate almost on a daily basis mm. is the complete opposite for what I did as a, a, a young 21 year old. Um, so I almost have a bit of that sense of frustration about like, I, I was, I was so ignorant to my body and what was going on, but that almost makes me more passionate to say, Hey, like it's such a simple thing at the end of the day that can save your life. Um, something as simple as going off to a doctor when you've got a lump that shouldn't be there. Like, mm. you know, you say it out loud and you think it makes sense. Like I'd like to think that, you know, people listening, if they had a lump or a bump or a rash or something that, that just wasn't quite right, they would go off to a doctor. But unfortunately, um, statistics will tell you that that doesn't happen, especially amongst men uh, in particular. Um, so I suppose going back to that day, it was just that sense of being a little bit, you know, I already said it ignorant into understanding about my health and cancer and the whole, you know, she'll be right bulletproof mentality, which I definitely did have. And I think a lot of young blokes especially have, you know, the, the, the whole mindset about all those bad things you hear about in the news and the media and watch your movies that it will never happen to you because you just live a pretty normal life. And those only happen to, you know, other people. And that's something that I kind of had, um, but it is pretty simple. <laughs> it's, it's something that I always say to people that, you know, your body better than anyone, you know, you see yourself naked in the shower, you know, you, you, you feel your body, you know, as young blokes, 
you go for runs and you know hit the piss on weekends and wake up in the morning sore and you you know your body um you know it's it's just a matter of being proactive with knowing your body and actually doing something about it and and i often say the two-week rule and that's something that that's not me just coming up with a two-week number that was sort of medical advice that um has been given to me is they generally say it's two weeks so i'm a, a number guy i like actually having a what do I do? So two weeks, you know, you said it before, Liam, that I put off that lump on my testicle for probably upwards of 12 months, well, well above two weeks, but they say they being the medical professionals, two weeks, if you've got, whether it be a lump on a testicle, a, you know, a black freckle mole that just isn't right, a rash, um, lingering headaches, your bowel movements are playing up, whatever that might be for longer than two weeks, they say that's generally a pretty good indication to head off to a GP or head off to a doctor because, and that makes sense because if you've just had a big night in the piss and your bowels are playing up, you don't have to rush off to the doctor next day. No. Um, that's, that's the kind of mindset. But if it, if it goes on for two weeks, that's when you got to be an adult, a mature, responsible adult and go off to the doctor. And look, in most cases, it probably isn't anything, but for the small chance that it is something more sinister, well, then hopefully you're getting on top of it early. And, and that's, I suppose, what I've learned the hard way over, over the course of my, my eight-year journey is that uh, the importance of early detection and the importance of getting on top of things early. I think uh, most people at reach, So because you're 29, right, Hugo? Yeah, mate, 29, 30 in a couple of months, so yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, well, Murph and I, both 29, heading to 30 this year as well. I know. Milestone years, <laughs> which we love. Holding on to my 20s. Keep holding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, I think a lot of people in, in at our age would share that sentiment of being frustrated at their 21-year-old self for a litany of reasons. So, yeah, and I think yours is absolutely valid as well. So it's totally fair enough to be feeling that. One thing that... I've, I've found super interesting about what you said before you talked about the like between your, your your two separate experiences you know with cancer and and the testicular cancer one being as you said sometimes brushed over because it was uh, you know through your whole experience it seems like the lesser of the two evils or one of, of lesser impact one that kind of says a lot about the level of adversity that you have been through to be able to to be able to sort of you know hold that experience of testicular cancer in that regard and it also is something interesting which i which i know i've heard you say before on your podcast and i'd just love to expand on it a little bit is talking about people's own experiences with stuff that's happening in their lives and it's something that i think we do uh, I, I would say collectively as people is we we often minimize our experiences we minimize our negative experiences and we minimize the stuff that happens to us for fear of i mean i'll be perfectly honest man even in the example of this conversation i think about you know you know knowing what you've been through and 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 just you talking about it even now immediately i think oh well i've been through nothing like that at all so i'll you know straight away i'm trying minimizing you know whatever my negative experiences have been and it's just an interesting thing that I think we do pretty consistently and it's it's something that I, I think we shouldn't do and I think it's something that, you know, we, we, we don't need to, but whether it's we feel a bit of societal pressure around that. But do you have any sort of thoughts around around that, mate? Mate, it's it's a bloody good good point. Um, it's a really good point and I'm exactly the same. Mm. Like there, you know, I'd, if I get, I was the, um, you know, keynote speaker at a men's health ball in Sydney uh, not long ago or you know, get invited to 
to do, you know, a, a guest speaking gig somewhere. And like every time I often have that sense of I'm not worthy to be the, a keynote speaker at this event, like surely you'll find someone with a more interesting story than me. Mm. Um, so I still have those thoughts all the time and I think it's normal. Um, and it's interesting you say that every, I'm a November ambassador um, and every year we get the ambassadors together and they do a bit of an introduction about, you know, why Movember's close to their heart. You might get someone like me who's gone through cancer or someone who's, um, you know, had a you know, multiple suicide attempts or someone who's lost a loved one to cancer or whatever it might be a, a ranging thing for to do with men's health. Um, and there was a ambassador training, I think two years ago when there was, everyone was going around telling their stories and someone's like, you know, I've gone through this. And I said, yeah, I've gone through, you know, a couple of bouts of cancer and ongoing battles with my mental health. And someone else lost their twin brother to testicular cancer. And there's all these things. And it got to this guy um, and it was his time to, to shine. And the first thing he said is like, I feel a little bit insignificant being here. He's like, I've, mm. and he kind of brushed over his story. He's like, essentially I had a really bad relationship breakdown and I've, um, you know, went through some bad feelings and a few bouts of depression. And then that's, that's my story. And he kind of felt uncomfortable because he just heard all these other exactly what you're saying, what he perceived as being like more significant or, or bigger life events, mm. um, which is, I found great the fact that we were in there to go hang on a second that's not the case at all but then the fact that he's still recognized in the great work he does for november because at the end of the day you don't know what someone else is going through um you don't know what someone else is feeling um something that might seem trivial to someone else might be hugely distressing to to you or me like something like a relationship breakdown gee like for someone that could be the worst thing in the world that can stem to being hugely depressed to being suicidal to being like, you know, their life is essentially over mm-hmm. to other people. They could bounce back and go, well, it is what it is. Um, there's no right or wrong. And I think we, we need to get out of that mindset of, of thinking that someone's done it harder or have gone through a worse time because I don't look at people like that. If I get someone opening up to me to say they've, I don't know, had stage one testicular cancer and got their testicle removed and now they're cancer free. I look at that and go, mate, how'd you go with all that? It's a pretty full on time being told you've got cancer. I don't go, Oh mate, talk to me later. Once you've, yeah. you know, built up the bloody, <laughs> you know, like that type of concept. Cause it's just, and it's interesting. One of my guests ages ago on the podcast that I did, he was a quadriplegic. Mm. I remember I called up afterwards and I tried to catch up with all the guests and we had a beer and I asked him a similar question and said, you know, he was a 20, I think five year old quadriplegic. And he had this accident. And I look at that thinking, fuck me. Like, you know, mm. he's got proper things to worry about. Like that, like, how does he get up in the morning? How does he do all this type of stuff here? I'm worrying about is, you know, having a bit of cancer. Right. And I remember saying to him, like, do you get annoyed when, you know, someone, I don't know, is on crutches or something and says, Oh fuck, it's so annoying. Like this bloody mm. broken ankle. And here you are. And he said, not at all. Like he said, once again, it's just, that's his life and that's someone else's life. And they're still going through a difficult time on those crutches just because they've broken their ankle and they're on crutches doesn't mean they're not allowed to feel pain and discomfort. So I think it's a good question, um, Michael. I think it's stemming slightly to the mental Mm. health space. I think that's largely the reason why people sometimes don't talk about how they're feeling or they don't seek help because they deem that what they're going through is doesn't, doesn't, um, 
doesn't uh, deem that it's that they need support or they need um, professional help. If that makes sense. They might say, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I shouldn't be depressed because in, in the scheme of things, I've got a pretty good life. Um, so it's it's a good point, and you're always going to get that. But I think it's ultimately if we just stay grounded, and I've got no idea what you're feeling or Liam's feeling or whatever the listeners are feeling, and it's just to respect that we're all humans and to understand that the human mind and emotions are pretty complex and people can bounce back from adversity better than others. And that doesn't make it right or wrong. It's just somehow some people are made up that way. So now it's a good question though, because I, um, I do often think that we've, we've had this conversation or that topic, I guess comes up quite regularly because like you said, that it's so deep and there's so many complexities to it. Um, I, I've tried, I was trying, I was talking to a colleague the other day about this and, uh, you know, the catastrophe scales and everyone's is different. And I was trying to like, we were trying to come up with a, a simple way of explaining it. And there's no simple way, but the the thing that we sort of spoke about was that it's an intrinsic scale, if that makes sense. You know, like we're, we're not, you know, if I'm struggling with my anxiety at a time, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I do it because the, the definition of anxiety is everyone else thinking about you and you, you get caught up in your own mind and you compare yourself. But you, the catastrophe scale intrinsically is the thing that we need to think about, not extrinsically. So I don't know if that makes any sense in trying to simplify that whole thing. But, you know, just because, like you said, just because I am going through something that might be right up the top above my head for me intrinsically, it, it might be down below your knees. So being grounded and, and yeah taking people for their word is is so important so thank you very much for for bringing that up mate and and the way you answer that question from from michael as well was yeah i just was sitting back and listening because it was beautiful so thank you for sharing that i i, I want to talk about one more thing with the testicular cancer because it's probably a good little segue into the next phase and, and the bit that you you mentioned you spend a bit more time i guess talking about nowadays but you mentioned a while ago on another on another podcast or another interview that having testicular cancer saved your life uh in the in regards to because you went through that and because you put it off for so long and you 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 know you got diagnosed and then you ended up having to lose your testicle through surgery having that procedure and that experience saved your life because when it came to the the bowel cancer time um, you acted more, far more promptly than you would have if you had not have gone through what you did with the testicular cancer. Can you, can you maybe chat to that bit as well? Yeah, well, at, at the time, obviously, I, I would have never thought that getting testicular cancer would uh, would save my life. But the reason why I did is because we, we chatted earlier about how I, I put that, that little lump off, um, being that young, naive, twenty-one-year-old bloke, which a lot of people unfortunately do. Um, but it did make me aware if anything, I became a bit of a, and I still am a bit of almost a hypochondriac where like I probably go, I'm probably at the other end of the scale and you know, it's probably fair, fair enough in why I am. But you know, if I now have something like, mm-hmm. you know, a lump or a bump or whatever, I'm kind of like, Oh shit, you know, on Google searching it, like, you know, ring up my doctor the next day. Like I'm almost at the other end, yeah. <laughs> which is, um, <laughs> which uh, probably because of what I, what I've been through, but, Essentially what I meant with that testicular cancer thing is fast forwarding, um, you know, five years down the track when I eventually got the unfortunate diagnosis of bowel cancer. And now that was a completely unrelated cancer, um, not related at all. Um, it's, a, it's a new cancer. Um, 
one of the only reasons why I went off to the doctor was purely because in the back of my mind, the whole, when I put that testicle lump of my testicle off, um, it spread and I had to have, you know, months and months of treatment. And, you know, it, it went from being a, what would have been a, a pretty standard surgery to chemo and major operations and the whole, the whole rigmarole. And so I kind of learned from that. So then, yeah, fast tracking bowels were playing up and, but not drastically though. It's not like I was, you know, shitting blood or couldn't get out of bed or I had this, you know, abdominal pain that was unbearable. It wasn't like really, I guess, significant discomfort, if that makes sense. It's, it's probably like a lot of people listening who have a bit of IBS or, you know, get the runs every now and then. And so it was nothing drastic enough to probably warrant me to go to the doctor in the first place, if that makes sense. But because of the, the, the history that I'd had, I did go to the doctor and, and kind of said, Hey, look, my bowels are playing up more than normal. And we spoke about the normal before and they've been playing up for over a couple of weeks now and they just don't feel right. Um, and I ended up getting a colonoscopy almost at my own request because I was still young and there was nothing warrant really. I, I didn't warrant a colonoscopy then, but I pretty much just said, Hey, look, mm. here's my history, a bit of a hypochondriac. Give me a colonoscopy. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of essentially how I put it to him. And, and he said, yeah, no worries that we, we can sort that out for you. I, I understand what you've been through. It's yep, we can do that. And um, yeah, unfortunately got fucking bowel cancer, which you don't expect that at all. And it's, no. it's obviously some serious bad luck, but I look back thinking, if I was, if I didn't have testicular cancer, I was a normal 26 year old, went on with my day-to-day stuff. There is no way I would have gone off to a doctor. I just would have said, bowels are playing up because I'm eating too much gluten or whatever the fuck I was eating. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought it was cancer, put it that way. So I would have right. let the years go by probably until I was shitting that blood or if I did have that significant abdominal pain. And often by then it could have been too late. And you know, t- uh, bowel cancer is the second biggest cancer killer uh, behind lung cancer and it's one of those cancers that if it does spread things don't look great for you and and majority of the time unfortunately um people can can die from from the cancer so that's what i mean by the testicular cancer saved my life for bowel cancer because it just gave me that sense of you know being proactive with my health you know going off to a doctor if things weren't right you know knowing your body body better than anyone and i just had that you know gut intuition that feeling that just something wasn't right and in that case, it wasn't. And I often look at that as like a silver lining in a way to think it's probably the reasons I'm here today talking to you lads is, is because I had testicular cancer, which is a pretty uh, pretty strange thing to say. That's crazy. It's so true though. I mean, you talk about intuition and it's a hard thing to measure. It's obviously incredibly intangible, but I, I feel like it really applies to the like to that mental health space as well because... I feel like for a lot of people, especially, and I mean, I guess I can talk to my own experience in that when I, you know, sort of had my first foray or first like, uh, you know, shock to the system of a doctor saying, yeah, look, you're dealing with that, you're battling with anxiety at the moment. I, you know, had didn't know what it was. I had this just overall shit feeling was just, you know, you know, worrying about nothing, all of those, all the classic anxiety sort of symptoms, but and in my mind, I was like, this is all just in my head. I need to like talk to a doctor about it. Like that's what my gut feeling was, was that, yeah, this is probably anxiety or, or depression or something like that. But uh, like, in, as opposed to you, uh, you know, having the perspective that you had, I guess, from, from your um, experience with testicular cancer, 
I ignored that gut feeling and I ignored that intuition and was like, yeah, but that's a ridiculous thing. Like, why would I have that? We don't have it in our family. It's not, I can't see it. So why the fuck would it be that? Mm. You know? So yeah, I mean, it's hard to listen to that little voice in your head sometimes, but I guess, yeah, good that you did, right? Well, it is. And also I think, you know, no, no one wants to have bad news. So I think sometimes we, 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 what we want to brush stuff under the carpet. We want things to go away, whether it, like you said, you know, whether it be mental health related um, or to do with your physical body, you kind of, we want things to go away. Mm. Like, you know, you wake up with a rash on your hand or something and, and then you're hoping that two days time it goes away. You don't want to have to call up, go see the doctor, have some blood tests, mm. do all this. And you don't want to then get to the stage without tell you, Oh, there was a reaction from, I don't know, a fucking hand moisturizer mm. you mm. used. And then you feel like, Oh, I feel a bit embarrassed now that I've made a big deal of it. So mm. it is an interesting one. And it's not like for people listening right now who have like, oh, you know, I had some diarrhea last night. It's it's not like a prompt for them to run off and think they've got bowel cancer. Cause it's, it's, I don't share my stories, scare tactics mm. for people to think yeah. they're going to get cancer. Cause you're probably not in your lifetime, but it's more the concept to say that things can happen. Um, and whether it be your physical health or your mental health, it's just to know that you're not immune to, disease in general and if something is not quite right there is nothing wrong in going to a doctor there's nothing wrong in booking up and having an appointment and as i say to people all the time especially my twin brother who just had a recently had his annual checkup and got a clean bill of health i'm like that's that's a good thing i'm like mm. we should we should be talking more about going to a doctor for a checkup when you feel fit and healthy and getting a clean bill of health but you've had all the tests no different to when you get your car mate maintenance once a year or you know even though your car's driving perfectly well you still go in get the oils changed have a look around yep all good we'll see you in 12 months we need to have that mindset more so than just the crisis mode of shit something's really wrong here and rushing off to a doctor mm. because by then it's like your car if it's shit i need to go to the bloody mechanic it could be too late and your bloody engine blows up so um that's why it's just that changing that mindset of of not always rushing off if something serious but just to kind of have that and i always say just build that relationship with your gp feel comfortable enough to go to your gp have those annual checkups because i can tell you right now over the years the amount of times i would have loved to have left a doctor's office with a you've got a clean bill of health mm. or there's nothing wrong mm. i'll trade that in a heartbeat right rather than yeah, mate, we've found fucking two spots of cancer on your lung or we've found this, we've found that. I would have much rather <laughs> have a uh, clean bill of health. So it's not a bad thing if you're healthy. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. I'm sort of, yeah, it's hard hitting because as much as I spoke the mental health side of things as well, I know physically that I could probably do a bit more as well in terms of going and getting a physical checkup. Um, you know, you speak about your car, if your car's, making a ticking noise, you go and get it checked. You know, like if we've got sore muscles, we go to physio. We say that all the time enough that, you know, we, you got to look after your mind, body and everything the same way in the same amount of time. Um, it's probably a really poignant time that I can jump in here with this and, and say that uh, on, a, on a personal level, when we, we put the, uh, the call out on, on our social medias as to anyone wanting to nominate people we could reach out to and, a good friend of ours, uh, Fordy, Tom Ford, mentioned that you know he's a big fan of yours and he, he listens to a lot of your your podcasts, Hugo. And he was like, you know, this guy's inspiration. And he, um, 
he's the reason that that our mate Forty now goes so and and gets regular checkups, you know, annually or biannually, whatever it is now that he does. But um, I wanted to to put that out there as well and say that you know everything you're saying just rings true to everyone listening to what you're saying and yeah on a personal level our, our mates I know our mates have got checkups based on listening to things that you've said and right now I, yeah I'm sort of sitting back here and you know you, you said it's you're not doing it as a scare tactic or anything like that but it is it it gets you thinking and it really makes you sort of reflect and understand that you know you can be doing more mate that's it and you know thank, thanks for sharing that and it's great to hear that um you know and it's no doubt I'm sure there's people listening to this right now or, or your previous episodes who have as a result of hearing something and you probably don't even know they might not necessarily tell you but as, as, as a result of hearing what you've said or, or what one of your guests has said it's prompted them to reach out to a mate or you know go into to get some support they might need and that's what it's all about right but it's um yeah as, as you said Liam it's not the scare tactic it's it's more the awareness piece um and it's just changing that just changing that mindset just changing the mindset about you know and it's what you guys probably know better than anyone through the guests you've had on the you know research you've done with the um you know what a what a man is you know the whole when we were brought up it's the whole you know man shouldn't cry and you mentioned Gus Wall at the start of the the episode he did a, he did an awesome um series on ABC iview called man up um which you can actually still watch it's still on still on ABC iview um he did a number year number of years ago but the whole campaign was to do the whole you know, we're told to man up, to not share your emotions, men don't cry, all, all these things that we're told. Um, and that stems through to the whole going to a doctor. It's almost a sign of weakness. If you'd, and, and I get it all the time. I still have mates or, you know, friends, um, you know, my, my old man and his friends, or whatever, who almost brag about the whole, oh, I haven't, I haven't been to a doctor in 15 years mm-hmm. or blah, blah, blah. It's almost a sign of like they're bragging about it. Um, yeah. And that's what it's a whole, like when you go into a, um, a store and, you know, men don't ask for directions or instructions. And it's that same concept about you're bragging about the fact that, you know, I haven't been to a hospital since I was a kid and I don't go to see a doctor and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, there's, there's nothing mm. to brag about. I think it's, it, it, that's the whole mindset we have to change and we have to shift that, that thinking to make it normal that we all have annual checkups of the doctor. It's just that normal part of life. We, you know, it comes up and you've got your annual checkup with a doctor, not just because something's wrong. And that's one of my big sort of something I'm really passionate about and something that I'm working hard to do and working with, you know, Medicare and, and sort of government agencies in how I can, how that potentially could look and linking in with 25 stay alive. But I think it's um, conversations like this, where you said, Liam, you're thinking where, you know, you probably should be going. It's, it's, I'm guarantee it, even if there's, you know, five people listening to this right now, if they asked themselves when the last time they went to the doctor, they probably might not even know. They probably don't even know who their doctor mm. is. Mm. Um, and it's just that almost that little friendly prompter, you know, to just go, look, mate, maybe it might be worth, you know, especially post these lockdowns just to call up, find out who your local doctor is in the area, go in, get an annual skin check. We should all be having annual skin checks, you know, explore your family history, which we often don't do enough you know, have a full blood count, get all your little bloody vitals done and everything and done big tick. Like, fuck me. It's a, you know, I'm a big one for writing to-do lists. That's a massive, yeah. <laughs> like imagine if you had, that's a massive bloody tick in the to-do list. So anyway, I think it's just 
encouraging it more than anything. So it's great to hear that your uh, your mate has been uh, been doing that because that's what it's all yeah, about. And you're absolutely right. And to I guess maybe just quickly send a little bit of love to Forty because I know the one I can remember vividly. He it must have been I'm gathering after he heard you speak because he sort of sent a message out to everyone and he was like, you know, I've just had a bit of a wake up call. I've gone to I've put myself in to get a full body check. Has anyone done that recently? Because I'm, you know, he was like, you know, I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit worried, but I'd love to know if anyone has done it recently. And if not, maybe we should all go and do it together as a, you know, accountability thing. So how good's that? It's uh, yeah, and that you're absolutely right. So the, the encouragement and the and the support network, um, to have people there to even if it's you, you know, you set a reminder in your phone to say annual book annual checkup or, um, you know, call and call your doctor and. You know, just introduce yourself, even if you're new to the area or whatever. I know personally, I'm I'm very lucky to have a pretty good relationship with my doctor. I've I've been going to the same same guy since I was a kid, so I'm very very comfortable in, in going to speak to him. I know Michael, I've I've heard you speak about um, your psychologist in the same same manner and being so comfortable to, to go and have a chat there as well, mate. So mm. it is it's an encouraging thing, but it's good, and I, and I bet you both. You, you probably feel better if every time you see your doctor or your psychologist and you feel better. Like you, you feel like you've, you're looking after yourself. You've been proactive with it. And you, you're not just kind of, you know, brushing it to the side. Um, so it's, it's, it's important to do. And it's interesting. I'll, I'll just quickly add on that. It's, it's um, I just, I thought of it then um, in the past, I sp- I've spoken about the whole car concept, but like my dad, I know this when I was in Adelaide last, his car is, it says when he's um, overdue for a service and mm-hmm. um, on like a yeah. dashboard thing, and it's like 122 days and he's really put it off and he's like, fuck, I've just been too busy. You know, we, I just haven't got around to it, but I've got to book my bloody car in for a service. And it's like, imagine having that reminder to yourself, like, you know, when you, every morning at work, your, your laptop opened up or something and you you kind of, you know, you know, Liam, your or Michael, your bloody 102 days, overdue for your for your yeah. bloody checkup with your doctor you'd kind of have that almost that bit of guilt when you go fuck I, i'm gonna do yeah. it today yeah um, mm. sometimes like what your mate did sending a message to a group of mates that can be your accountability and um and asking people when they've when they've done it absolutely right i uh i want to ask you about I sort of touched on support networks and, and, you know, they're having the mates to, to message in. And I want to touch on Hugo really quickly, or you're, you're in the army or you were, you were a captain of the army in the army. And when you were, when you first had the, the diagnosis of your testicular cancer, I think you said once upon a time that because you're in the army, that having the family right there, it's, you know, it's almost impossible to have straight away. Um, it's not, you know, not readily available. What what was that period of time like? Um, and I, in in terms of not having the family there straight away, um, and in comparison or comparing that to possibly, you know, come bowel cancer, was the was there a difference in the support network availability between the two? Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think you know, family's massive. Um, I'm very fortunate that I've got a very supportive and, and, and close family. Um, not everyone has that same level of support. And I think I'm also mindful of that when I talk about this is because it's all good and well to, you can tell someone to go to the GP and get checked, but you can't tell someone to 
you know, talk to their family if they don't necessarily have a good relationship with their family. Um, it can be more difficult, right? So I'm grateful that I have that. And yeah, you, you spot on that earlier days um, with my testicular cancer, it's very difficult. I didn't have a partner when my family was in a different state. You know, I was young, 21 year old. I didn't really tell any of my army mates at that point in time because I felt a bit embarrassed about it all. Um, so you, you did have a bit of that isolation, a bit of that loneliness when you kind of feel like you're going through it yourself, the doctor's appointments and, um, you know, all that emotion and the whole, you know, crying in your car and stuff like that was was very real because I just didn't have anyone to share it with. Mm. Um, whereas like when I first got diagnosed, no one was with me, for example, whereas fast forward to my bowel cancer stuff, um, hugely emotional time. But then I have my partner, you know, holding my arm, um, you know, had my parents and, and family close by. And I felt like I at least had that, that level of support that really helped me get through it, which in a way was challenging knowing I was causing them a lot of pain. And, um, and that in itself is, is pretty difficult uh, when you, when they go along, along with the ride for you. And, um, but then at the same time, knowing that they are there every step of the way, you feel like you've kind of, you've got someone in your corner in the boxing terminology. Whereas early days, I felt like at times I, I didn't, and you kind of felt like you're doing it by yourself. So um, it just does show that the importance of having that support network and, and whether it be family or close mates or whoever, but just some sort of support network, I think is, uh, is bloody important. Thank you for Yeah. Thank you for that. You're, you're absolutely right. And it's probably something Muff we could talk to is that we we speak about the conversations with family, but Hugo, we, you, you raise a really good point that, um, you know, that isn't always the case for everybody. So it's, you know, Muff is probably something that we can, it's opened my eyes, I guess, to different avenues of, of support as well. Um, I don't know if you want to comment on that or not, Muff, but it's, yeah, it's... No, I, I look, I, for one, I, I fully agree. You're both spot on and, and, it's a, it kind of relates back to what we were saying before about how everybody's situation can be different as well. And Hugo, you're absolutely right for being considerate of, of that situation and of the fact that, you know, not everybody is going to be in the exact same boat. Not everybody's going to have that same family structure. I mean, Liam, you know, you and I talk about how lucky we have been, you know, to have, you know, the, the support that we do have through our partners and through our family and stuff like that. I, uh, and I guess the only other thing maybe to add to it is similarly to what we were talking about before again, mm. is that it's not something that we, that you should like feel guilty about, I guess it's more like less, not guilty, but grateful, I guess is, is the point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be, be grateful for it. Um, and I think that's, you know, I'm a big one for gratitude. So the mindset about you shouldn't, you should never judge someone um, based on first interactions, if that makes sense, um, because you don't know what their backstory is. And I think everyone's got a backstory. Everyone's got something in their life that we don't know about. So it's that that whole sort of general approach of being kind in the first instance until you get to know them and they're a real prick, then that's fine. But <laughs> it's that whole, um, you know, just really giving the benefit of the doubt, which I try and do to, to everyone I meet. Mm, no, absolutely. Talking of your of your support network, Hugo, as you've just said, obviously being there and being a hugely you know influential in your recovery and in and in the really really dark times and in and in you know the tough stuff that you've been through. Talking about that consistency of which you know we should be approaching our health with. Um, if you consider your support network in that way, 
what are some things that you have that would be strategies for maintaining, you know, good mental health and, and even, you know, some stuff that you would do consistently with the support network, with the family, with the partner, you know, for, um, yeah, into, you know, to keep yourself on that sort of even keel as best you can. And what are your, what are your 10,000 kilometer check-ins as we would say, if we're talking mechanic, uh, parlance again? Yeah, (laughs) no, it's, it's a good point. Look, one thing I think is important and you mentioned the family or the support and, whether it be uh, partner, friends, family, is to um, to keep them um, sort of updated in, in how you're going. I think it's important. It's putting my sort of my cancer hat on. Um, it's it, it was hard for family and friends to know what you're really going through without me having to kind of explain how I'm going through something. And it's yeah. the same thing for, you know, if you've got mental illness, if, if you're not kind of letting your partner or your family in to how you're feeling. It's, it's impossible for them to, to know. Um, so it's the one that I think I try and do is I really try and be open with my emotions. And if I'm having a bad day, which I still get bad days, mm. I still see my psychologist um, through telehealth at the moment, but I'm getting better at telling my partner that I'm having a bad day and not just kind of being closed off and then taking it out on, on her or whoever. Um, so it's keeping people sort of involved in how you're feeling, expressing those emotions along the whole journey and the whole path. And for me, that was something I didn't do very well through my um, my cancer days because I thought I had to kind of put on that brave face, mm. you know, pretend I was this really like strong and optimistic guy going through a, a terrible illness. Whereas, you know, I kept all that hidden and I, I worked out eventually how bad that was. And it's letting them in, I think, just opening your door up and letting people in is important. Um, and, and the other thing is, is on the contrary, is checking in on them is important. And I think sometimes, once again, if, if you're going through something, it can be bloody difficult for your other half, your family, your friends, and so difficult. And I think often cancer is a big one. And, and actually, you know what, not just cancer, people who are going through really serious mental illness as well, the focus t- tends to go on the, them, the patient. Uh, and cancer, it's it's the obvious one. All the the emphasis is on the patient, right? The the treatment, everything you can to make sure I'm cancer free. If you're struggling from en- mental illness, everything, all the focus is on you. You know how how are we going to try and get you better? But then your partner, and I've experienced this firsthand. They're going through a fucking terrible, difficult time as well. And so it's something that once again I didn't do very well. Is checking in, and I know it's hard because you're going through. You're trying to bloody for me, stay alive, but it's at the same time to go, how, how are you going? Mm, 100%. Mm. You know, checking in on my parents or checking in to see how other people are going. And I think that's bloody important too, because um, these things we talk about, they have this ability to just impact so many different parts of your life and the people that you align yourself with. And I think it's important to remember that and to remember that, your partner or your, your parents might also be struggling with whatever you're going through. Um, and then by doing that, I think it puts you in a good mindset or good habits to keep that going. Um, and I'm a big one for, for checking in on with people. Um, so that whole checking in, not just on your family or your partner or those close to you, but people you haven't even heard from in a while. Um, there might be a reason why you haven't heard from someone in a while. If you've got a group of close mates, like we got a good group of mates, 20 of us 
if someone hasn't been contributing for the last few weeks and you haven't heard from him, instead of just brushing that off, wonder why, mm. you know, mm. reach out to them. So I think that's the biggest one is connection and um, and understanding. So It's so important. And I think it's worth underscoring that point because I, and it, and it comes back to that, you know, that feeling that we talked about of, of trying to weigh your experience against someone else's. I mean, you know, you're, you've got your partner, you've got your family. When, if you, or, you know, if I'm going through something and my family is trying to support me and doing an amazing job of being supportive, yeah, they're, they're not attending to anything that they might be feeling. They're just, their focus is on, you know, the person who, who is struggling. And, and it comes back to that thing where they don't want to be in imposition. They, they're comparing their experience to yours and going, well, it doesn't weigh up, it doesn't stack up, so I can't mm. ask for help either, you know. It's, yeah, I don't know, human condition. I think it happens so consistently, we've got to just say that it is just humans in general, right? Mate, it's a good point. And it's, I've, I've even found that over the years that, you know, it's kind of, how are you going, mate? Oh, you know, all good. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to put that all on you because you've got your own things to worry about. It's like, no, no, I'm, I'm generally interested. Like, what, what's going on, mate? And then, you know, we spoke at the relationship stuff before. It's, oh, I've, you know, having a real bad time with the missile or, you know, had a death in the family. My grandma passed away, whatever it might be. Mm. It's so talk to me about that, mate. Like, you know, in a way, sometimes I'd, I don't just want to make it all about me and what I'm going through. I want to talk to other people and, and you know, see, see how you're going too. I think it's a, you know, it's reassuring internally for yourself to be able to, to have friends open up to you and, and it's he, it helps healing for yourself as well. So, you know, being able to have the conversation. Muff and I always say the hardest conversation, the hardest question to answer truthfully is how are you? Mm. And to be able to have a best mate, you know, you, you said then you've got a, a crew of 20 that you check in and, and you know, hang out with. And for for one of those 20 people to answer that question truthfully on rotation, you know, that's that's what you want. You want to be able to have someone open up and, you know, if it's on a Monday, if it's, you know, Michael is the one that's that speaks up and goes, oh, you know what, actually... I'm, I'm battling a bit today and here's why. And then, you know, the next day he goes, yeah, all good. Thanks, mate. But but then you, Hugo, open up and go on Tuesday. I, you know, yep. Yeah, I had a bit of a shit day yesterday. But, you know, that, that's the important part. And that's, like we said, it's the hardest conversation. But it's it's the one that we need to, I guess, again, encourage each other to be able to answer truthfully and honesty, honestly. And it's only mm. going to happen if you do it, if you ask your mates that. So, mate. And absolutely, and, and I just I, I probably should touch on you. I, I said the group of twenty mates, or whatever, on the um, Facebook chat. But it's important to note as well that of that twenty mates, truthfully, there's probably a couple that I I feel comfortable enough in in, in truly opening up to, and that's mm. okay too. Mm. We don't we don't need to have twenty friends to be able to do that with. And mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we're doing lots of Gus Wallen plugs here, but he um you know, got you for life. It's kind of what it's about is having your gotcha for life, mate. Yeah. And you don't need to have 20 or so, mate. If you've just got one or two close friends, doesn't mean you're allowed to have other friends, but I'm talking your gotcha for life, couple of your really close friends that, you know, you do speak to most days and you can be completely open and truthful with, you know, you feel like they could just open up to you without any judgment. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. We don't need to necessarily have hundreds of these different buddy networks if you've just got a couple then that's important too so if you're listening to this thinking jesus christ i don't have a facebook chat with 20 mates <laughs> it's fine you know if you've just got a couple that couple mates you talk to if anything that can be more powerful 100 percent. i 
It's an interesting point you raise that as well because, you know, last night doing some thinking in the shower, we, the best thinking is done. and Absolutely. I'm engaged. Michael's engaged. It was sort of, you know, I was in the shower thinking about some wedding stuff. We, we just booked a few things and I was sort of saying, like, thinking how lucky I was to have, you know, a group of 15, 20 blokes from high school that we're still such good mates with. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm sitting there scratching my head thinking of the bridal party and I was like, fuck, I can't have 15, 20 blokes standing by my side at the up the altar as much as I'd love to, you know, and, and it's it's exactly that, you know, that you're mates with them but they got you for life, you know, the real ones, the, not the real ones because, mm. you know, I'm very blessed to be able to say that I would comfortably open up with all 15, 20 of my mates but... You know, the, the ones that have been there since day dot and the ones that, are, mm. as as Gus Wallen worked for, they got you for life. They're the ones that I want standing beside me sort of thing. So, And, and they're the ones that you, you go through the highs and lows with um, and, and can share that with them. One sort of related but slightly off-topic question is back going back, circling back to your partner. I think was it Amber you said? Yep, Amber. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and you, you mentioned early days... The, the first cancer, you didn't have a partner coming up to uh, your diagnosis of bowel cancer. You had Amber there with you um, going through it. For, for people, I'm lucky enough I'm in a very long-term relationship, Muff, as well. For people that are, have a new relationship and, uh, you know, the eight years, you know, you could have met Amber, I don't know, just after the testicular cancer thing, but... For people going through a similar situation in not having a partner the first time round and say, unfortunately, someone else, because you know, no doubt there will be people out there that have a similar experience of unluckily having a diagnosis of something else further down the track again and having a partner there. How long or how far along your relationship with Amber did you open up one on your previous experiences and, and the stuff that you'd been through or, you know, was that a hard conversation for you to start? Yeah, look, I think um, I probably didn't truly open up about the finer details um, and especially not with my mental health. So this, this was a part that I wanted to touch on as well. So I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're jumping into yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So th- yeah, the physical stuff, it, it's more obvious, right? You know, especially when you're a single bloke and you you're just meeting and I've got the fake testicle and you know, that's going to come out some stage. Um, so that's going to, that's going to, that's going to be the icebreaker yeah. in a way, yeah. which, um, so the physical stuff was all right. You know, I was pretty open to talking about that. Um, what I'd been through and yeah, I went through chemo and, you know, here are some photos or whatever and look pretty different, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that the, the real meaty detail is what I'd probably call it of the, um, the, the difficult parts I didn't probably truly open up with anyone really. Um, and I probably didn't really understand it as much then. I just wasn't really educated in how to manage how I was feeling. And like I talked about it a couple of times, just yeah. brushing it under the yeah. carpet. Um, and then over the years, I kind of got quite good at putting on that, you know, putting on the mask, putting on the fake, fake smile um, for whatever reason. And then, it just felt like a little bit of that safety net. Um, my podcast, coincidentally, behind the uniform, that was stemmed from part of that metaphor of, you know, I'm in the mm. army, but the metaphor of putting on that uniform, you know, that pretending everything's fine, I got pretty good at it. And it wasn't until very sort of recently in the last probably couple of years where I feel felt comfortable enough in talking about 
actually I'm, I'm not doing too well here. I'm actually not as buddy optimistic and brave if everyone keeps calling me. I'm, I'm actually struggling a fair bit and that's okay too. No one's going to think, you know, differently of me. But um, yeah, so interesting question because yeah, initially I found the physical stuff of, hey, went through cancer. Yep, whatever. Like that didn't phase me at all. Um, I'd happily, happily talk to anyone about it. Uh, in fact, the early days, I'd always, you know, quite often get the fake testicle out, which I often talk yeah. about, you know, for, for me, it was just a, in, I f- almost felt like it was almost a humorous side to me because I kind of used that as a bit of a something. I, it, I almost felt like that kind of gave me a point of difference mm. in conversations. Mm. I was a bit different and interesting because I had this different side or story to me. Mm. Uh, but over the years, I guess when you become more mature and you grow up a little bit and you realize that, you know, there are probably, there was probably more going on there that I was, I was kind of just hiding behind, if that makes sense. Do you have any advice on, I mean, you, you spoke about, you, you still, you speak to your psychologist regularly and it's things that you're working on still and, you know, open up to Amber and saying you're having a bad day. You're saying, you said earlier, you're still getting better at that and it's still a work in progress. Do you have any advice for, for someone potentially in the same situation as yourself in, in where to start or, you know, where we speak about going to the GP and, um, and that, but in terms of speaking to a partner, I'd love to know your, your advice or, you know, some words of wisdom potentially that you might've had from your experiences on, on how to breach that bridge. Yeah. It's, you know, if, if you're say it's your partner, you know, you should trust and feel comfortable with your partner more than anyone. You know, for me anyway, my partner is my best mate. You know, I'd, I feel comfortable enough in telling everything, um, how I'm feeling and stuff, but that kind of, you're right. It probably took longer than I wanted, but that's through no fault of mine. That was purely because I, I deliberately just for myself, I didn't want to talk about it. Um, but eventually you kind of, you think about the whole and you probably hear it. And it's, it's, I think it's very true. If, if you flip it, uh, if you flip the narrative, um, and your partner, or your brother or your sister or your mum or your dad, if they were struggling for whatever reason, if they were going through a really difficult time, if they were just, you know, not sleeping at night, crying themselves to sleep, just in a terrible place, would you want them to tell you? Well, of course you would, you know, you would want to, you would want to comfort them. You would want to, you know, do whatever you could to help them. You would want to support them. You'd want to be there for them. Like you, you wouldn't even have to think twice. If, if you got a call from your old man or, your partner this afternoon and said, you know, Hey Muff, you know, Hey Murph, I'm, um, you know, I'm in a really bad way at the moment. You would, you know, yes, it'd be difficult to hear, but you'd want to do everything you can to help them. You just want to help them. You want them to get better. So if you flip that narrative and think, well, if, if you're in that situation yourself, would your partner, would your mum, your dad, your brother, your sister, would they actually want to kind of know what you're going through? Well, yeah, they would, because then they want to help you. They want to support you. They want to, they want to be there for you. That's what family, that's what friends, that's what loved ones do. That's, that's what we do. We're there for each other. We try and support each other. Um, so I think when I kind of put myself out of the equation and stop being, I look at this being selfish in a way and thought, hang on, I'm kind of in a way being selfish here, not opening up because my family love me. My partner loves me. They just want to help me. So if you flip it and put myself on, in their shoes, then I think that was a really useful way for me to start to open up and then, you know, it almost made me think, what, why did I take so long to, to open up? Because as soon as I did, not only was it a weight lifted off my shoulders and you probably hear that all the time, but I realized that they could actually help me. Um, 
in many ways, you know, my old man could help me just talk about a few things. So yeah, it was really useful doing that. And I think uh, maybe people listening might find it useful as well um, is to kind of just change that mindset a bit. Framing it as a selfless thing to do is I just think invaluable, Mm. hard to do hard to like switch that mindset. I think, especially, you know, if you're, only just coming to understand you know a little bit more about your own mental health but Mm. you're absolutely right it is the selfless thing that you can do for all those reasons that we've spoken about through this chat today and yeah being able to change perspective like that is yeah no mean feat but 100% I'd love to love to hear I guess a little bit Hugo uh, on on the work that you're doing now with 25 stay live and and with your podcast behind the uniform uh with dr izzy smith yeah look it's um so i'm I'm still full-time in the army i'm i'm um i'm essentially like a health and well-being officer welfare officer i kind of live and breathe as my full-time job in uniform and then Mm. the work i do on the outside is is very similar which i'm very lucky that i don't you know, it's sometimes when you've got your side projects or your passion projects and your, your, your job's completely different, you almost have to just switch off and, and put a different hat on. I'm fortunate that they do strongly connect and relate to each other. Um, but yeah, 25 Stay Alive, um, um, it's not a registered charity as such yet. And there's, there's a reason for that because I can achieve everything I want to achieve without needing it to be a charity. And when for me at the moment, um, it's more of like a, social enterprise um, community as such where I achieve everything I would achieve if it was a charity, whether it be workshops, presentations, fundraising for other charities. Um, but it doesn't have to be, be necessarily labeled as a charity. Mm, 100%. And what essentially 25 stay alive is it's um, it's kind of what we've been talking about in today's episode. It's the whole concept about the typical young adult um, being proactive with their physical and mental health and that whole that mindset of, of looking after yourself and, and, you know, building relationships with your GP and, and um, you know, the whole concept of early detection. Um, and that stemmed from the whole, I felt like everyone I told through my cancer journey would be the common answer would be, Oh, you're so young, but truth be told something like testicular cancer is young man's cancer. Yeah. Cancers like melanoma is a young person's cancer. Mm. Bowel cancer now kills more people aged 25 to 30 um, than any other cancer, um, which is quite a niche age. And there's um, studies into why that's the case. Well, we all know the statistics behind mental illness and, and suicide. Obviously, it affects, affects young people. But I kept thinking that it was when you turn 50, you get your you know free spark screening kit or your mammogram test. And it was almost this importance of when you get older, that's when you worry about these things. So that mindset of um, 25 stay alive grew from that. And I touched on earlier, I'm in talks with sort of Medicare and some government agencies where I would love um, for when you turn 25 and when you turn 25, you get a letter in the mail, like when you turn 50 and that letter will be, um, you know, a bit of congratulations for turn 25, but there'll also be some sort of key statistics around whether you're male, female. um, And also the key one is that with the Medicare side of things, it'll also based on your postcode, have a list of all your local GPs in the area. And by doing that, it will um, be a, essentially a, a complimentary initial consultation. And you pick a GP, the name you like, the bloody search them, whatever, someone jumps out to you mm-hmm. and it um, will encourage you to go book into an appointment with a GP, all paid for. 
all complimentary. And then in that GP, you'll, you know, get your skin checked, full blood count, talk about your family history. And then hopefully going forward, you've now got a GP and you can go to that GP, you know, get a mental health plan, whatever. It's not mm. just physical health stuff. And that's kind of my and you know, longer term stuff. I'd love to have that tangible outcome, which I think would be amazing. I think it's mm. not unrealistic to think that could happen. Um, so that kind of keeps me busy and, um, and then just going around sort of workshops and, and kind of what you guys are doing now and just talking to people and, um, and that whole sense of community and, and, and really getting people to, uh, to kind of, yeah, talk about these things and the conversations that is what it's all about. And that's kind of what grew the podcast behind the uniform. And that's with Movember. Um, we do it every Movember. It's season one last year, season two this year. And the plan is we'll do it every year after that. It's um, sort of a 10, 10 part mini series um, whereby we kind of open up the conversations and, and go behind the metaphorical uniform or physical uniform. And, and you touched on it before Murph, when you said the whole concept about how, how you're going mm-hmm. um, delving behind that, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Or yeah, good mate. The, the whole good mate conversation. It's, how are you really going? Like, let, let's talk about this and, and talking to these people, whether they're athletes or professionals or whatever, that we, uh, we all go through adversity. You know, we're not immune to this stuff. So it's super interesting. I've fortunately met some super interesting people. No doubt you guys have too. I've seen, you know, a few of your guests and, you know, it's pretty humbling to, to sit down and chat to these, these people. And it's, um, to me, it's definitely not work. You know, I've, I've definitely got my work as in what pays the bills and all this other stuff I'm talking about. It's for me, it's not work. You know, for me, it's mm. something that not only does it help me, I, I, I truly believe it, it helps other people. And yeah, end of the day, getting these little text messages or people reaching out that you don't even know saying, you know, as a result of hearing your story, um, you know, I've gone to get checked or, um, you know, I was on a guy called, uh, Dill Buckley, Dylan friends podcast. Um, last year i think and and he even um i think he recently had his 100th episode and he got asked who his top few guests were or whatever and he he mentioned me purely for the fact that the feedback he got from Mm. potentially saving people's lives as opposed to getting a chris judd or amazing professional athlete on which is super cool but Mm. he would get people on after my episode and he's obviously got a, a very big platform to say you know, FYI, I bloody listened to your, your episode with Hugo and I've since been diagnosed with testicular cancer, but I, I actually went in early and that lump I was putting off, I heard you and that prompted me to go to the doctor. So when you hear shit like that, it goes beyond just a, a chat about, you know, raising awareness. You think actually I've potentially saved a fucking yeah. life right yeah, now. Wow. Um, and that's yeah. that's the powerful stuff where you go to bed at night and think, Gee, if uh, if I think I've had a bad day, well, if I've if I've saved a life, it definitely makes it worthwhile. So anyway, it's um that's kind of what I'm up to, and chatting to guys like you as well, and seeing what you're you're doing and the amazing work that you guys are doing. Um, you know, I love it because people probably don't realise what goes on what goes into even just making a podcast like this. Um, a lot goes into it. Like you know, you're you're passionate. Mm. You're talking about what you want to talk about, your guests, you know, the post-production stuff, you know, marketing on Instagram. But, you know, you lads obviously do it because you're passionate about it, which is bloody awesome. And and I always think about those few people I spoke about before that reached out to say, I went off to a doctor. Well, imagine all the other people that you don't even hear from that have done that. And same with you guys. Imagine all the people that are listening to these episodes that you don't even hear from 
that's just prompted them to reach out to a mate or go off to a doctor that you don't even know about. So um, anyway, that's uh, that's what I'm up to. And yeah, it's an absolute privilege to be on your show as well. No, thanks, mate. It's, yeah, very beautifully answered and well-spoken in, in regards to that, mate. It's a quite inspirational, I have to say. And I know you probably don't don't love to, like you just the way, the, how humble you are in, in your answers just then gives me the idea you don't like to hear that it's an inspirational thing that you're doing. And um, I speak a lot with, with Muff about, you know, work is, is work your purpose, you know, is the job you're doing for work your purpose and your passion. Um, and it's amazing to hear that the stuff that you do nine to five as a job is your passion as well. And, and you're able to incorporate that and, and build on your purpose in life. And it's obviously quite clearly to me and, and I guess Muff as well, that your, your purpose is using your experiences to help everyone else. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really incredibly humbling one to have you here, but two to, to hear the work, the extra work that you're doing behind the scenes as well, mate. And appreciate it, mate. And um, yeah, appreciate you both. And if you'd want me to put a good word into a, uh, to Gussie Wallen to come on the show, I'm sure he will. <laughs> we will be yeah, hitting him up. That. Absolutely. He, yeah, he's a good man, but um, Hugo, there's one or two things I'd, we'd love to maybe just, if you've got a couple more minutes. Of course, mate, go for it. Do you know the resilience project? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do know, know of it. Yeah. There's a bit of context. Uh, they, they do a lot of work in schools, um, working on gratitude, empathy, mindfulness. And this thing that he did was talking about, you know, he calls a mate and tells him he loves him, um, just gives him a 30-second blast and, you know, resonates. And that really resonated with me and it became a, a part of, of the Man of Words podcast with his blessing. Um, we'd love to know, one, if you would be willing to possibly do yeah, yeah. Do that. Of course. If you're happy to just to throw it on loudspeaker and, you know, hold it pretty close to the mic, we know we can pick it up pretty good. And yeah, you know, pick a mate, someone that you, you know, maybe reached out to on the regular, maybe someone you haven't spoken to in a little while that you can call up and just give a little 30 second profession of love. And then, yeah, and we're going to be on their merry way. Here we go. Here's someone I'll. Um... Hey, hello. Hello, Patrick. How are you going, mate? Not too bad, thank you. What about you? Not too bad. Look, I just wanted to call up and say, uh, yeah. I just wanted to say, love, love you, mate, thinking about you and just uh, hoping all is well. Yeah, thank you. You too. How have you been? Good, good. Right? No, I've been, been very well and I've um, had, a, uh, had a podcast uh, that I was just recently on that prompted, uh, prompted me to reach out to someone that's close in my life and um, oh. tell, tell them I love them. So I just wanted to make sure that uh, I gave you a quick call and hoping thank you're having you. an ama amazing holiday. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. I love you too. Uh, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. No that. worries, mate. Love talk talk soon. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Got, got one. Very nice, you go. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, man. Beautiful. No, he's a good guy. He's, um, he's actually a guy who's... Um, He's lived in Sydney. He uh, he's gone through a lot. Like he's he's on ongoing stuff with um with his own mental health. Um, so it's a good prompt for even me, lads, to um even just give him a quick call. And he just sent a few little kiss emojis. So there you go. Ah, good boy, which we love. It's good to hear. Uh, thank you very much <laughs> for, it, uh, for doing that, mate. It's 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 nice to to hear those conversations as well, mate. So appreciate that. That's oh, good. It's good, and it's funny. I, you know, you're kind of doing it, you know, during the podcast is a nice little touch, but you kind of, you do feel a little bit, you know, it kind of puts you out of your comfort zone a bit, which is obviously the whole point of it. Um, 
but I, lo- I love the idea and I love the concept of it. So it's a nice way to sort of sort of finish things up. Hugo, it's uh, yeah, as I, as I said earlier, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure and an absolute honour, I suppose, to have you on the show, mate. You've you've got an in- incredible story to tell, and it yeah, as I said, it's quite clear your purpose in life is to to spread that story and and inspire people to take the next step and and to you know push for for better health and and well-being in themselves as well mate so I want to thank you on behalf of Muff and I for for joining us and and for imparting some words of wisdom with us and our listeners mate it's, yeah it's been an absolute privilege no thanks so much gents it's um yeah I, I love uh, love the opportunity to chat to you both I really appreciate it and um you know like I've touched on a few times the work that you're doing shouldn't be underestimated either because you're no doubt helping so many people and I've uh, even this last sort of hour or so I've learned a lot myself um, just from some of the conversations and even spoken about a few things that I've haven't really spoken about um, in that way before so no thanks for having me on gents thanks so much Hugo Murph love you mate looking forward to chatting to you in the flesh very very soon to everybody listening thank you so much for everything this is the Meta Words podcast where the little conversations make the biggest differences